What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's, that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook as well as the Ringer Podcast Network, the reality TV podcast that I think we launched this year. Man, that thing's kicking ass. On Wednesday, we had Johnny Bananas breaking down the latest episode of MTV's The Challenge with Amber B, who won last year, talking about they had Fessy got knocked out, a lot of challenge drama. And then Survivor came back another season. I think this is like, what is this, year 21 for them? And we got Tyson, one of the famous Survivor people who's ever been on the show. He's also breaking it down on the Ring of Reality podcast. So on Wednesday night, Survivor and the Challenge, two different episodes posting right after each other, and you can Survivor and Challenge your little buns off. So Check that out. Don't forget about our new local podcast, The Full Go with Jason Goff, just in time for the Justin Fields era, which Peter Schrager and I will be breaking down in a second. Hope you're listening to that. Hope you're listening to John Jastrzemski on New York, New York, because he's going into the Lions then this weekend, Fenway, for the big three game series. And then one more podcast thing. We relaunched our TV podcast. It's called the Prestige TV Pod. I was on there with Amanda Dobbins on Monday, breaking down episode one season two of The Morning Show. I'm also going to be on tomorrow, Friday, with Van Lathan, Wozni Lambry, Big Woz, our guy. And we just decided to do a Sopranos Hall of Fame episode because the Sopranos prequel's coming out. And we ended up doing the episode where Tony and Bobby get into a fight. First episode of season seven. Really fun. I, I actually really like the Hall of Fame concept. I'm going to be popping on that. So... I'm probably for the next couple of months, if I do TV stuff, it's probably going to be on that feed. So download it, the Prestige TV pod. We're going to have it really rolling in time for Succession and some of these other shows. And uh, a lot of our 
Ringer favorites are going to be on that one. People you've heard on this podcast, like Fantasy, Chris Ryan, Van Lathan, Mally, Mally Rubin, making her watch Scenes from Marriage. God, Scenes from a Marriage, episode two. Wow. Whew. Tough one. Yikes. Anyway, coming up, Peter Schrager, Million Dollar Picks, and then a very special appearance from my dad because this is an amazing sports weekend coming up and he's here in town because it's my birthday and we're going to talk uh, Boston Sports Rider Cup a whole lot more. So there you go. That's the pod. First, our friends from Pearl Jam. All right, Peter Schrager is here. Every Thursday, we do Million Dollar Picks. Um, my headphones are broken. We had to tape this. Kyle's mad at me. Now, Peter and I, we have to take turns talking. You guys don't need to tell the inside mechanics, but when you tape podcasts, you need headphones, so now I can only hear them through the computer. We're going to try to take turns. It's not going to be us interrupting each other the same way as always. Last week, we won $147,000, our seventh straight winning week. It was a miracle. I didn't feel good about it. If no. The, if the Minnesota kicker misses that kick or makes that kick, we get crushed. We have our first bad week. We lost on the uh, Chiefs against the Ravens, which is a really stupid game. We might as well start there. Do you think lesser of the Chiefs after that game or was that just arrogance and the one that got away? No, I have real concerns about the Chiefs defense. Um, that run defense looked like circa 2018 Kansas City. And Chiefs fans will shudder in fear when I say this name. It reminded me of the Bob Sutton days, who was the defensive coordinator before Spags. They couldn't stop anything. It was uh, 251 yards on the ground, and they knew that Baltimore was going to be running the ball the entire time. It was almost like that fourth and one. Should we go for it? It's almost theater. Like, yes, you're going for it, and yes, you're going to get it. Who are we kidding? Like, yes, you know you're getting this one because they can't stop anything. They... You know, Chris Jones is now playing defensive end. He's usually in the inside, and he it, it's going to take a while for him to get used to that position. He could not do anything in the run game. Um, there's going to be a lot of good running teams in the AFC, and I do have concerns about that, that run defense in Kansas City, significant ones. So the counter would be they played Cleveland, they played Baltimore. Those are Who the two teams. Like that? Yeah. <laughs> if, if you can't stop the run, you might not want to see those coming out of the gate. The reason we bring it up, you know, I'm looking at this slate. I think this is a really fun slate. I didn't really like last week's slate. I think that was one of the reasons we were struggling. Although I still feel like Arizona over Minnesota was the right call and the Chiefs-Ravens. The Chiefs should have beaten the Ravens. I like this slate way more and Chargers-Chiefs is a fun game to talk about. Before we get there, the Arizona Cardinals betting experience. Mm. Can we discuss what that felt like for three and a half hours? It was a wild... We texted. It was a wild ride. And even in the win... It's almost like it's not worth it. It's just so exhausting and scary. And the heart pressure was, it was a nuts game. They were down 20 to seven at one point. They roughed the punter on a fourth down. They they had a pick six. They they threw another interception and they still won. And so we won the the bet, but it, it and yet Bill, as we get here and we're a couple of days for, like, I kind of want to, it's almost like that. I kind of want to do it again. It was fun. Like it was, I, I was living, you know? Well, it's like uh, Rosillo had a thing on his pod about how Kyler is probably the most fun roller coaster experience you can have watching football every Sunday. And I completely agree. It was way less fun to bet on it. Um, no. But at the same time, it was like riding a roller coaster where a week before they had just had an accident. You're like, should we get on that thing? Eh, maybe. 
And, you know, like we're talking about, te- we're going to do a couple teases today, I think. And one of the obvious teases is the, the cards, they're playing the Jags. The line is seven and a half. It's the perfect six point tease. And yet the Cliff Kyler thing, I will never, I texted this, I will never get over Kyler with the ball running out of bounds with the lead with two and a half minutes left on first down. And it's like, what are you doing? Why are you torturing me? This is the one thing you couldn't do and you did it. Two minute warning was coming up. So it's, you know, that timeout's built in already. And he just like trots out of bounds. And to your point on, on Mondays with cousin Sal, you know, I, I love Gus and Aki, but like you're at home watching, throwing things. And they're like, and Kyler is protecting himself, gets out of bounds. Like, no, no, don't protect yourself. No, don't do that. It's the last thing to do. Don't do that now. Stay in bounds. I started talking about the Chiefs. They're playing yeah. the Chargers this week. And the Chargers, one of the tough things about after two weeks heading into week three is we have a sample size that we feel like now it's like, all right, we saw two games. But the sample size can be deceiving, right? The Chargers, they win in week one. Week two, it's just they're shooting bullets into their feet, their ankles, their Achilles. They just they just don't want to win the game. Anytime they have a chance to do something that can win the game, they blow it. You look at their, you know, their their big picture stats. They have 51 first downs in two weeks. Mm-hmm. They're 19 for 31 on first down. Herbert has been spectacular, even though the offense hasn't really, you know, lended itself if you look at the numbers and the stats, things like that. But I test wise. I kind of liked how they looked, even if the results didn't pan out. And I look at them against this Chiefs team, division rival. I like that piece of it. We know they can run the ball. Eckler, Larry Roundtree the third, who's been on some fantasy waiver wires. Justin Jackson, they have some things. They can move the ball. They can move the chains. And the question for me is like, A, could they get the Chief touchdown near the end to cover? Absolutely. B, could they win the game? Maybe. C, can the Chiefs put away games? And this leads mm. to the Clyde Edward Hilaire thing. Clyde Edwards Hilaire thing. I I test wise, I've watched him now for a season and plus two games. I just don't think he has it. Like sometimes this happens. We pick Lawrence Maloney Maroney in the mid 2000s And it's like you watch and you're like, maybe, maybe. And then it's like eventually you go, eh, he just doesn't have it. Um recently, Sony Michelle. It's like this. Guy doesn't totally have it. He's nice. He can get the four yards. He's he's durable. Can't catch the ball. Kind of is what he is. Is Clyde Edwards Hilaire? Is this just kind of who he is? He certainly hasn't had that big home run play that we've been expecting. And there has been a lot of detractors of late. And I texted with a GM who was like, you've been the biggest Clyde Edwards Hilaire guy, but you do realize in college... He had Justin Jefferson, he had Jamar Chase, he had Joe Burrow, he had, uh, you know, all these different players. And it was always just a wide open field for him when he was at LSU that season. That's why he went nuts. I'm not going to jump it off yet. I will tell you this. Jarek McKinnon is in Kansas City and he wears number one. So he looks really fast. There is a big Chiefs contingent and I live on the Chiefs message boards and I follow the Arrowhead pride and the Arrowhead addict and all those guys. And there is a big contingent, a big uh, constituency saying, let's go with Jarek McKinnon at running back. Like he's better, he's faster and let's go. I don't know if they're at that point yet. I'm also not at the point of picking the Chargers um, for a lot of reasons. You mentioned all those great numbers. Justin Herbert threw two terrible red zone interceptions. I don't, I can't disregard. They had, to your point, that shooting themselves in the feet, 10 offensive penalties, 10, like something wasn't clicking. That's at home. That shouldn't be the case. 
And they gave up 198 yards on the ground last week to a Cowboys team that did next to nothing on the ground against the Buccaneers. Now, of course, it's a different situation, different strategy from Dallas. The last time Kansas City got embarrassed in a loss, and I think they got embarrassed last week, was Tennessee in 2019. Beat them up and down. Derrick Henry ran all over them. The next week, ironically, they played the Chargers and they took care of business. I, I think it's in Arrowhead. I think it's a an angry Chiefs team. I think it's Mahomes, two games in a row, similar to what we said about Rodgers last week. I would not bet against Kansas City, points or otherwise, this week. I just feel like they'll take care of business. And the Chargers, yeah, the stats always look good. They look good with Rivers, too. They, they scored 17 points. Ooh, you had to bring up Phil Rivers. The Chargers they, fans they, were already feeling bad, and then you daggered them. I'm not burying them, but think about what that game was last week. All this talk of the Chargers in the preseason, all this hype, new coach, new offensive coordinator, the reigning offensive rookie of the year. You've got Nance and Romo on the call. Like, And then how'd they lose? They lost 20-17 to 17 on Zerline hitting a 57-yarder after the Chargers simply could not score points. Yeah. And they put up about 700 yards of offense. You could change a lot of things. Like It felt like a typical Chargers game to me. That Sunday night game was... It's so funny to think about four days later because if you're the Chiefs, you leave that game and you go, thank God Baltimore just didn't run the whole game. We They would have had <laughs> yeah. even more points and more yards. And if you're the Ravens, you go, thank God the Chiefs kept trying to establish the run. We couldn't stop anything else. And it's true. The Chiefs had second and three. At that point, they're basically in field goal range. All you have to do is just roll Mahomes one side or the other and he can either get three yards with his legs or do a little quick pass to Kelsey, stuff like that. But... I think kind of Andy wanted to see what he kept kind of, what do I have? Can I run the ball? And the answer was, I, no, you can't he actually. Couldn't. He couldn't. And the alternative that was, I think Andy knew that after it was, you know, once the Ravens were getting the ball and got their ground game established, they couldn't stop the Ravens. So it was like, we need to try to grind out some time, trying to grind out some clock, try to do this. Uh, you know, it's funny. They, they triple teamed and double teamed Tyreek Hill next to nothing. Kelsey went nuts. Pringle stepped up and Pringle was actually really good down the stretch. But if they got just anything from their running backs, anything, they probably win that game. Uh, Football Outsiders, a site that I've, I've been a fan of forever. I'm a subscriber. They had the DVOA, which I love. It's too early to really make any assumptions from DVOA, but they had a graph about um, great offense with terrible defense early. And this is something they do from time to time. They used to do it with, during the yeah. Manning's Colts era of like, this offense is spectacular. This defense is trash. For the most part, the 06 Colts are the only team ever that really succeeded with the horrendous defense. And they, mm -hmm. they listed some other teams, like just first two games, incredible offensive DVOA, horrendous defensive DVOA. It's the 83 Packers, 2000 Rams, not the 99 Rams, 2000. Yeah. 02 Chiefs, 04 Minnesota, 06 Indy was the only team that did well. 2010 Texans, 2013 Packers, 2016 Raiders, and then the 2018 Chiefs. None of those teams other than 2006 Colts even made the conference finals. Mm. Mm. So again, small sample size, but it really makes me nervous if you can't run the ball or stop the run. Yeah, and I remember the Giants a few years back, probably 2011 Giants were 32nd in rushing and I think they're the only team ever to win a Super Bowl being the last team in rushing. You have to run the ball. And I know everyone's in a passing league. You have to run the ball. But if Clyde Edwards-Alaire doesn't fumble, they probably still win. Like, it, a fumble is different than establishing the run. It, it, it's a freak fumble. It's a great play. And I've had some fun with the kid on Good Morning Football because I couldn't pronounce it. It's 
Odafe Owe is the rookie. On I'm not even the, going. I'm not even attempting. Odafe Owe. And he actually sent a video to the show because he's like, you're mispronouncing my name. Here's how you say it. And it was great. But there was an amazing freak play where he strips the fumble and recovers it himself. And then, of course, it sets things up. I don't know if it's much ado about nothing about the running back situation in Kansas City, but I do know at some point you're going to have to stop the run. And in years past, it, it came back to bite them in the ass a bunch of times until Spags came in there and kind of fixed it. But this looks brutal. I mean, brutal because Chubb and Hunt were running all over him too. Even worse, the front seven looks slow to me. It wasn't even like a, it was a brute force thing, but it was also like they just, they couldn't get to the outside. Like Lamar basically knew anytime he wanted to get to the outside, nobody in their front seven had the speed to go with them. They had a, they have a guy named Nick Bolton, who's a rookie who they expect a lot of things of. It's very young for him to be, they had a guy named Willie Gay, who's really good going sideline to sideline, making plays. He's not out there. I think they really miss him. And Nick Bolton, who is, you can't tell a rookie like, Hey, we need you now to step up and be that guy. Like, I think he needs to step up and be that guy. And I, you know, they used to have Derek Johnson. There was always that linebacker, Justin Houston. There was always that linebacker in Kansas City who like would make the play. They don't have that right now. And to watch Ben Neiman get turned around and to watch what they're doing in the middle of the field, uh, two weeks in a row, their run defense has been just not good. Well, let's go through. There's one, two, three, seven, two and O teams. One of them's playing tonight before we tape this, the Panthers. I'm going to assume they're going to be Davis Mills, but who knows? Just quick take. What... What do you like <laughs> about these two no teams? So just like a sentence on each, and I'll Let's tell go. you what I like, I like too. This. The Raiders two and zero. Resiliency go, going the way they won that game on Monday night, and then to go and bounce back and win in Pittsburgh that says a lot about them. So what I like big plays. Mm -hmm. They seem like they have a knack, and they have a couple receivers. I like Edwards too, and he's had a couple plays called back. But Rugs and Edwards plus Waller. They could move the ball and they can get big ass 25 plus plays. And then their defense, like um, Ben Solak did a good job of the, on the ringer this week of breaking down, like, is this defense for real or not? But at least they know what they are. They're just playing a zone. Yeah. They're sure. going to rush four Crosby, guys. They are Crosby who they are. And Gakwe are good pass rushers. They didn't have either one of those guys doing what they were supposed to do. And Gakwe's new, but Crosby is having the season we expect him to have last year. But, you know, <clears throat> eight years now with Derek Carr, never played in a playoff game because he got hurt that one year. Um, he knows what he is. And I think he's living a little looser this year. And the players, they really like him. Like we talked to all of them. They really like him as much as we on the media want to pair him apart. He lives and breathes and dies this thing. And he is a Raider through and through. And like, he makes big plays. And that pass to Ruggs was huge, but the pass to Moreau in the end zone as he's getting hit was huge. I think it's almost like, and he doesn't curse. He doesn't use swear words, but it's like the, I don't give a, you know what from Derek Carr this season. Like I get it. Like I know what score it is. Let's, let's just leave it all out there. And I respect it. I watched the entirety of both of their games and I agree with you on the car thing. It's a tangible thing. You can really see through the TV. Yeah. Sometimes I don't trust the TV, but his teammates really like him. I think his coach really likes him. Yes. He got hurt in that second game. And you can kind of look when somebody gets hurt, there's always concern, right? People are walking over, yeah. but this was kind of like, you I could know. see there was 20 people around him and there was like, oh my God, cars hurt. You know? And yeah. I, I don't know. I just think that feels like it's his team and I'm with you. It doesn't seem like he gives a shit anymore. It's like, he doesn't. All right, he fine. You might trade for Aaron Rodgers in a year. I don't care. Sure. And every April, I'm talking every April, Bill, I, I do, you know, it's, 
the Raiders are the team to watch. The sneaky Raiders are the team to watch for a quarterback. Like whether it was Kyler Murray or whether it was Joe Burrow or whether it was whoever, the Raiders are the ones who might be moving up and trying to get a quarterback. They don't. They stick with Derek Carr. And John Gruden is like, I'm all in on this guy. And two two weeks of the season, and they've started off six and three and six and four and missed the playoffs the last two years. But through two weeks of the season, those are two tough tests. To beat the Ravens and the Steelers, I got to give them their credit. Well, here's the toughest test. They're playing Miami this week and Brissett's playing QB. Two is out. Now, I'm not a huge Tua fan. I do really like Brissett. He's somebody that Kyle and I have both enjoyed. He had a nice little Colts run. He got hurt two years ago. Yep. But their offense, the way it's constructed was for, this is the classic thing that uh, people love to talk about. This is a big Warren Sharp thing. You built this offense around the specific skill set of your QB and then your backup QB has a completely different skill set. Yep. I don't know how that's going to play out. My point is, the Raiders are like going to be four and a half, five point favorites at home against Miami. They're two now. Perfect situation for them. Perfect. But the Gruden history is like, this is history. the kind of dumb game they'll blow, right? Absolutely. They almost I don't want to put the them Jets in a parlay. Yeah, they almost lost to the Jets last year. And then they d- had worse losses than that. Like, of course, this is the kind of game that you would stay away from. And yet, if we're feeling that this is different and that this year of Derek Carr is different, then why shouldn't we just believe in it? Like, Dolphins last year went in there on a Saturday night and ripped the Raiders' hearts out with the crazy Fitzpatrick, you know, the, the helmet being twisted, and they beat them. And I don't know. I They should win this game. If they're that team, they should win this game. And I'm okay putting our names on that and saying, let's include them in one of these deals. Hold that thought because after we go through these two-note teams, I'm going to ask you who is the team that when we come out of September – Everybody has the big jerk circle about. Yeah, yeah. Which we're getting close. All right. So that's one. Tampa 2 and 0. We don't need to discuss them. That's a really complete team. We'll see. There's some slight defensive stuff. Like, why are teams able to move the ball on them? Was it a fluke just because of the two teams they played? I, Atlanta was in that game. They were down three with the ball in fourth quarter yeah. and they were able to get drives. So we'll see with the Rams this week. We don't need to talk about them yet. San Francisco's 2 and 0. Sal and I talked about them a little bit on Sunday that there's a completeness to them that they they can kind of steal games by doing different things, which I think is really interesting. Is there anything else you like about them? They won two games on the road, which none of these other teams seem to be able to do. The Broncos did it too, but like to go into Detroit, you say, oh, they went to Detroit. That's a weird game. And then to then stay at the Greenbrier in West Virginia for a week. And then, you know, the Eagles were ready to go crown this coach and have a Super Bowl parade after week one, and then to go on there and just physically out, outplay them and find a way to win. I, they're just so disciplined on both sides of the ball, and their defensive and offensive lines are usually going to be better than every defensive and offensive line they face, that they're going to be hard to ever blow out. So they'll be in games late. Like I don't know if they beat the Packers this week, but they are going to make you earn every single victory. So I like that. They're tough. I think that's the word I would use. Yeah, tough and kind of a little Swiss Army knifefish. They'll win yeah. a game one week, one way, and then the next week it might they might win like a 42 to 30 type of whatever. Uh, Denver. So the Judy thing hurts. Yep. The schedule's been pretty easy. It's easy again this week. Um, I'm not a believer. But... <laughs> Bridgewater's looked really good. That's been an upgrade for them. I really like Javante Williams. I have him on a couple of my fantasy teams. Mm-hmm. I think as the season goes along, he'll be even better. They lost Chubb. Chubb's out now for basically half the season. Yep. And I think we have this feeling of like Denver defense, Chubb and Miller. It's like that. those days are kind of over. There is They do have a bunch of young guys that I think have come on. But for the most part, 
I, this is more wait and see to me. The yeah. altitude's going to help them at home. I, I'm not a believer yet. Are you? No, and look, the Jags were right in that game. It was 10 to 7 late in the third quarter last week. So you can't be doing flips over them. I do want to give them credit where credit's due. They've won both those games on the road, but it's the Giants and it's the Jaguars. And now they get the Jets at home. They'll be 3 and 0. Yeah. Um, the strength of their defense, I mean, Von Miller was actually really good last week, but the strength of their defense is the defensive backfield, and it's hard to throw on them. And you saw what Daniel Jones did to Washington, which is a good defense. Daniel Jones had nothing against Denver and Trevor Lawrence struggled mightily against Denver too. So that bodes well when you play a Las Vegas Raiders, that bodes well when you play a, a Kansas City Chiefs, you're, you're going to be, you know, a better opportunity to win late in those games because you've got Justin Simmons and you've got Fuller. And of course, Sertan, the rookie has been outstanding. So mm. at, Denver's really good on defense. This is year three of Fangio. They've got the right guys. They've got it. I still, even though I love all those players you listed and I think Cortland Sutton played really well in week two. I just don't know about the offense, whether they're able to score enough points to keep up with the Kansas cities or the, or the Raiders or even the chargers for that matter. The Rams are 2-0. We'll talk about them when we talk about the Bucks game. Cardinals are 2-0. We've already discussed them. That's <laughs> just a roller coaster every week. And then the Panthers, 2-0. They'll be 3-0 after they probably beat Houston tonight, unless Davis Mills has an out-of-body experience. Um, at all those 2-0 teams, I'm just thinking narratives. When we get to like the four-game mark, which used to be the quarter mark, but now it's 17 games, so I guess it's the almost quarter mark. Yeah. The Raiders, it seems like it's set up for them to be the narrative team. And that's why I think this Miami game is so kind of secretly enticing to bet on because if you're going to take them, and I, I think it would be money line for me. I don't think I would do the uh, the spread, which is four and a half or five by the time we do this. But the narrative of 3-0 Raiders, Vegas, Mark Davis, maybe he wasn't the loser son. Derek Carr, maybe he is an elite QB. Um, John Gruden and Mike Mayock, maybe they do kind of know what they're doing. Like all of that stuff. I can kind of see it. Can you see it? Absolutely. And there's such a momentum once Raiders fans get going. And we go through it a lot, though. Like they win Thursday night games every year, I feel like. And Aikman and Buck are, oh, my God. And like, here come the Raiders and what a win over the Chargers, whatever it is. And then the next week, they'll lose some inexplicable game on a CBS call with like the seventh team. And you're like, wait, the Raiders lost? Like, how'd that happen? That's just been the Gruden era. But to your point, Carr, Gruden, all the, the failures, all the coming up short, this new arena, this new feel, this Vegas Raiders type deal with these rest, with, with Waller and Ruggs. Like, I think we also, as a media, we like it when the Raiders are relevant. There's mm. a lot of history there. There's a lot of tradition there. There's a lot of that just win baby stuff. And like, if the Raiders are are in the play, like, the East Coast watches the Raiders. The West Coast watches the Raiders. All of our, our whole generation watched the Raiders. Our parents' generation watched the Raiders. They're the Raiders. Like, you want to see them relevant, and they haven't been for a really long time. Their over-under heading into the season was six and a half. They were 13-1 to win their division. They were plus 350 to make the playoffs. If they win this Dolphins game, they'll be 3-0. At Chargers, week four, Monday night. I'm going to say 80% Raiders fans there. 85? Yes. yes. Week five, and home for the Bears. Week six, at Denver. Week seven, home for the Eagles. Bye week. Week nine, at Giants. There's like seven and two, eight and one sure. potential. They'll lose a couple of those. When When is Kansas City? When does that show up? That's the big bad monster. 
that's when it gets hard. So then week 10 Chiefs, week 12, they have to play on Thursday on Thanksgiving at Dallas. The road team never wins that game. Then they finish week 14 at Chiefs, week 15 at Browns, home Broncos, at Colts, home Chargers. But could they be, I was called the rabbit team every year. Could they be the seven and two team? They're like, oh my God. And then they finish nine and nine and eight. Absolutely. Well, I, we'll we'll talk about them when we do the picks. But um, I think out of all those two and zero teams, the other one would be Carolina, where uh, just like from a narrative standpoint of like they were they rejuvenated Darnold, McCaffrey is he the best player in the league? Um, the coach I Matt Rule. Should imagine if the Jets had gotten him. I could see all those narratives too, right? Yeah, or the Giants. Either one. Pick the New York market of choice. Um, it. I said this on our show this morning on Good Morning Football. I want your thought on this. Like, And this is nothing against the players at all, but McCaffrey is going to be on national TV and it's already going to have aired. And who knows? He might go for 200 yards or he might go for 50 yards. I feel like he's on a lot of commercials. There's a lot of marketing with McCaffrey. It feels like he's the Mike Trout of the NFL a little bit. Where oh, that's good take. We're constantly like, this is the guy. And yet I don't see any kids wearing a McCaffrey jersey. I don't know anyone who's like, I'm a huge McCaffrey fan. And when you talk about like, who's your favorite, most dazzling player he's not mentioned, I think they really have to have that breakout season. And he has to be on, you know, Aikman and Buck have to be calling his games. Nance and Romo has to be calling his games. Like he needs that. I still think that matters in a red zone world where, okay, this is the Christian McCaffrey moment. And I think they need to win games for that to happen. And he needs to be the reason why they win those games. And I, I, look, it's year two of the rule era. It took him three years at Baylor, completely different situation. That program was basically going to be canceled, but he turned him around into a sugar bowl team. I think talking to all my guys in Carolina, year three is when they really were thinking like, all right, Darnold or whoever else is quarterback year three is when Brian Burns and, and, and Derek Brown and Jeremy Chin, but they're having a lot of success in year two. So maybe they're a little ahead of schedule and that could be just fun house money for them this year. The Saints win was legit. Like, their defense dominated the Saints. That was not a fluke. And their defense is fast. And Burns, you know, I think if you're going to have a really good defense, you want that one awesome guy. And Burns just might be the guy right now. And you think, like, if if they beat the Texans tonight, it'll be so funny if they lose. But then they got 10 days before they play at Dallas. So I think, to me, the two narrative teams are the Raiders and the Panthers. I think it's one of those two. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back, and we're going to start breaking down the Week 3 slate. This episode is brought to you by Taco Bell. If you're anything like me during a busy day at work, I need lunch that is just as fresh as it is delicious and easy. And the all new Cantina chicken menu from Taco Bell is exactly that, made with high quality ingredients like seasoned slow roasted chicken, pico de gallo, shredded purple cabbage, and avocado verde salsa sauce. The new Cantina chicken tacos, burrito, and quesadilla are the perfect daytime choice. Try the new Cantina chicken menu at Taco Bell now. Okay, week three. Couple, uh, couple good tweets from our guy, John Ewing, who has a really good Twitter feed. You should follow him. Um, since 2010, 0-2 teams have gone 52-36-1 and 36 and 1 against the spread in week three. 59%. That's a win. So our winless teams are the Jets, Jags, Colts, Giants, Lions, Vikings, and Falcons. I like one of those teams. Um, and then this is a tweet that he retweeted from somebody at MacNova. Since the 1970 merger, NFL home dogs of seven or more points are 91, 59, and four in August, September games. That's 61%. So we have three of those this week. We have the Texans, Lions, and Jaguars. 
What are the old August games in the early 70s? I'd love to hear about <laughs> yeah, those. This is the new Ewing theory, the John Ewing theory. Let's get into it. Uh, all right. So how do you want to break it down? Well, I just Texans, Lions, Jags. I don't really like any of those teams, but but the the numbers say at least one of those teams will cover and probably two. So there you go. All right. We're going to we broke this down into teasers, straight ups and underdog parlay candidates. Our teaser teams, we have three obvious teaser teams, which scares me. Okay. Ravens, seven and a half over the Lions. Yep. Is that, that's in uh, Detroit. In right? Detroit. Cards, minus seven and a half over the Jags. In Jacksonville. In Jacksonville, which is the red flag of red flags, because who knows? <laughs> it could be 102 degrees there. And then the Bills, minus seven over Washington are the three obvious teasers. Now, Ravens, Lions, I'm staying away. I'm just telling you. I don't know. Bill, let me convince you. Can I tell you why I'm staying away? And then Go you can it. convince me. Coming off the massive win. I think the Lions can kind of do stuff. They they should have covered that Packers game. Yeah. They just kind of did the shoot themselves in the foot thing. But maybe that's who you are when you have Jared Goff. That line's pretty high. Um, and it seems too easy for me, but you can sway me. I'm willing to be swayed. Go ahead. Ravens have by far and away the best rushing offense in the entire league. They can run with anyone and the offense is built so that Kyle can get in there at running back. And I don't know how you are as a running back, Kyle. You could probably put up 100 yards behind what they do. He's not in shape. Wise. <laughs> not in shape. <laughs> it's not nearly ready for that. But honestly, they, this isn't anything against Latavius Murray or Tyson Williams, but I know internally there when they lost a bunch of those running backs, it was upsetting. But the one that killed them was the Marcus Peters because of how important he is. But they're like the running backs. We love Dobbins. We love Justice Hill. We love Gus Edwards. You name them. Um, running back, we can figure out. And they have. They also do it against all sorts of you know pressures and fronts. Uh, they averaged last week 5.3 yards per rush when it was a seven-man box. And they got even better, 5.6 yards per rush when it was an eight-man box. So it's like, bring what you got. We've got the offensive line, the fullbacks, the tight ends. But here is really why you want this one. I don't know what Joe Barry, the Packers defensive coordinator, was doing in the first half last week. This is a guy who I really respect and has been in the league for a long time, but he was Jared Goff's assistant head coach in Los Angeles for four years with McVay. LaFleur poached him, took him as his defensive coordinator when they fired Pettin. And if anyone knows Jared Goff inside and out, anyone, mm. it's the assistant head coach for the last four years. And yet they weren't blitzing at all in the first half. They like did not pressure Jared Goff and he was picking them apart. The second half begins and they start pressuring Jared Goff and he's not Jared Goff of the first half on that Monday night game. I say that to lead to this point. Wink Martindale, the defensive coordinator of the Ravens, his message is pressure, blitz, go, go, go. From day, I can't see Jared Goff having a successful day against this Ravens defense. It is his worst nightmare. It is a defense that comes at you from all over and a defensive coordinator just lives with his foot on the pedal. So I don't like the matchup either way. I think the Ravens take care of business. Lamar runs all over the place. And on the other end, I think golf is in trouble the entire afternoon. I'm going Ravens big in this game. So the Ravens do have the history of the last couple of years of the Lamar era of pounding bad teams. Yes. Right. They're, it's a blowout team and they, they pour it on and you feel good, especially if you have Lamar on your team. All right. You talked me into it. I'll mark them down. Cards, <laughs> Jags. You're not talking me into it. I'm not doing it. I need a break. I it's just fun a, though. 
doesn't it feel like, I don't know, you could say it could be the ex-girlfriend or it could be the alcohol or whatever it is, but like, I'll go fast food. That's my vice. Like, you're like, I'm never eating this again. And then Friday night rolls around. You're like, all right, there it is. There's the pizza place on the corner in New York City. I'm having a slice. That's how it feels with the Cardinals. It's so good. I'm not doing it. I'm you're not. You're so prudent. You're so prudent. I'm not doing it. I just need a week off. It's it's nothing personal. I respect them. The Florida in September scares the hell out of me. The Jags have lost 17 straight games and look worse and worse doing it. No, only three teams, here's a stat for you, since 1970 have lost 18 straight games. The John McKay, 76 bucks. The 07 Lions, 09 Lions. And then the 72, 73 Oilers, which I have no memory of. Um, they're about to join that that club. Like they are, they're really in a rut. And I don't know, you think that they're going to come out there and rally the troops and beat Kyler Murray? I don't see it. It, it It's one of these three teases is going <laughs> to lose. I'm just telling you, Ravens, Cardinals, or Bills. So let's talk about the Bills. Bills minus seven over Washington. I think everyone now realizes Washington doesn't have that good of a defense. I think they realize maybe it's hard for them to move the ball. The Giants should have beaten them. I thought played outplayed them. I don't, still don't know how they lost. And then you I'll have the you. Bills, two weeks of what's wrong with Josh Allen? What's going on yeah. with these guys? I thought these guys were going to be better. What's happening here? This feels like a kitchen sink, lay this smack down, old school. Oh, we'll tell you what's wrong with Josh Allen. Nothing. Watch this kind of game, right? I agree with you. And I think the Bills defense had a statement quietly last week against the Dolphins. I know everyone was like, oh, well, Tua's out. Brissett's not that big a drop off from Tua. And the Bills defense was destroying him. They got this rookie, Gregory Rousseau, who was taken at the end of the first round. He had five tackles, two sacks, and he was flying all over the place. And AJ Epineza on the other side was coming in there. Like their pass rush is significantly better. I don't know what Taylor Heineke is on the road. He had that home playoff game. Obviously, took care of business enough where he gets to stick around. And then the first two weeks on the season, they've been home games for them. This is the first Taylor Heineke real Washington quarterback game on the road going into a hostile environment. And I think you're right. It's not only the players that are like, wait, we stubbed our toe week one. I, I think these fans are ready to explode again and be like, no, 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 we get a redo here. Let us, let us, now we're home, now we're in your building. And I think, I think this one could be ugly. I think the Bills take care of business. And you have week one, they're playing Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh spends the summer planning for yep. a specific way to surprise Buffalo and do whatever. The week, the Miami game was weird. They got, they broke a 50 yard play early. All of a sudden they're up 14, nothing. Miami changes QBs. Buffalo is, just doesn't put them away for whatever reason. They had some mm -hmm. drives. I think Miami's defense is also pretty good. They are. And then, um, then they took care of business second half and people are still like, eh, Buffalo, eh. And I actually like their running backs, I think, more than most people. I kind of like Singletary and Moss. He had a big run, obviously, and Moss had those two touchdowns and an angry run one time. Um, mm. They're a good one-two duo, but like neither one of them scares me. I don't no, know. No, I know. It, I just think people, I, I would rather have those guys than Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Or the guys that the Rams have. You know, yeah. like I don't think they're below average. I think they're average, but they each bring something to the table and... It just feels like the Allen breakout game. All the fantasy people are panicking who went all in on Josh Don't. Allen this year. Um, all right, so we'll mark those down. Raiders, I'm not going to do the Raiders four and a half, but I like the minus 200. I think we should mark it down. Because then the down. question is, 
Can they do what the Cardinals did last week? Like, could they win by three? Could they win by one? Could they squeeze it out? Could they pull it out? I like having the minus 200 in play with some other stuff. If we want to get ambitious, we could put Raiders minus 200 with like Ravens minus 360 and make that even. Like we could do, we could put them in a seven point T. So mark that one down. Okay. And then the last one, let's argue about this one because I think we feel differently. I watched that entire Vikings game because that we had the Vikings cards. We had that on the big TV, Gus and Akib, Kyle and I. Um, I was kind of impressed by the Vikes. Offensively, I thought, great. I thought offensively, they kind of were able to do whatever they wanted. Cook was dominant at times. They have multiple receivers I'm afraid of. Cousins looked really good. He had time to throw. Um, any When they needed a drive at the end of the game and they needed to put themselves in position for game-winning field goal, I thought they were going to down the field and get yards, and they did. They have, I think, over eight, almost 900 yards in two games. Yep. They've made big plays. They can run and pass. And, you know, yet they're home in a must-win game. They're 0-2 against the Seahawks team that honestly I wasn't impressed by last week in that Titans game. No. They had a huge lead at home and they couldn't put them away. They couldn't stop the run. Offensively, I don't know what's going on with them, but um, they had 24 points basically at halftime and then I think nine the rest of the way or whatever it was. And I just like, I love that. I feel like I'm getting points that I shouldn't be getting. I think this game should be a pick them. The Vikes are plus two and a half. They're back at home. They haven't been there yet. They've lost in two freakish ways. The Dalvin Cook fumble in Cincinnati. They probably could have won that game if he held on and they converted one more first down. And then last week was an inexplicable loss. But then you look at the numbers and sadly for Mike Zimmer's teams of late, they are becoming more and more explicable. Uh, they're 0-2 to start the season and they've given up now 400 total yards and scored more than 24 points in both games. They're one of only three teams in NFL history to do that. The 94 Patriots, the 89 Redskins. And you'd say, oh my gosh, that's a weird stat. They have now lost six games the last two years where they score 24 points and put up 400 yards. And they still have lost six of those games. Their defense is atrocious. They have allowed 24 points in the last nine games they've played. And I, Russell Wilson owns this team. He's 7-0 and all-time. He owns Zimmer. He owns Cousins. Those guys were drafted the same year. Russell in the third, Cousins oh, in the fourth. Oh, shit. I forgot about that. For whatever that. reason, Russell just completely dominates this team. I don't see Seattle losing two straight games, especially the way they lost last week after having that giant lead and giving that one up against the Titans. I got Seattle. Minnesota's plus 450 to win the division. From what I've seen of the Packers those first two weeks, that is not a division champ. And it might just be a division that has no good teams. But like you mentioned, the coaching stuff. How do you play golf and not blitz for an entire half? How do you look as bad as you looked in week one? And the Rodgers thing, and then Rodgers comes out and makes everybody else feel bad. It's like, I don't know what you got. It's like you've created a soap opera and you guys sucked in week one. Of course, we're going to talk about it. And, you know, congratulations. You gave the ball to Aaron Jones against a bad team and you look good, but I don't yeah. trust that team. They I were down 17-14 at the half and they won, obviously. And I think a lot of people maybe didn't watch the game because the next morning it was like, oh, Packers are back. I'm like, well, there were some, some issues not. on defense. And I don't know. It wasn't like they were lights out on offense either. But So Minnesota, their over-under was eight and a half this year. 
they play the Seahawks this week and the Browns at home next week. I don't like it, Bill. So you're out. You're out on the Vikings. I don't know if I was ever in on the Vikings. I, you got to play defense in this league. And, Can, well, let me ask you this. Defensive coach. Let me ask you this. What's the difference in the Vikings and the Cowboys to you? It's fair. It's fair. Put up they're a lot the, of points. They're, and, they're the same yeah. fucking team. They have a really good running back situation. They have multiple receivers who can make play plays and a quarterback who puts up stats that I'm still not totally sold on if it's January. I'm not sold on either of those teams though. Like, and maybe you are with the Cowboys and a lot I'm of people not. are like, I just, neither one of those teams do much for me. So Vikings eight wins. I don't think that, I don't see that. Yes, they've lost in freakish ways the last two weeks, but good teams don't lose in freakish ways two weeks in a row. So if I tease the Vikings to plus eight and a half, you're still not interested. I might not be. Okay. All right. We can. We no, can. Listen. It's your picks. Listen, this is valuable information. Kyle knows what I know because he watched that whole game with me. The Vikings can move the ball. All right. So those are our teaser possibilities. Straight up. So I'm going to stay away from Pat Saints. I think the Pats are going to win. I'd love the minus three. I don't like the Saints coming off a loss. I don't like the Peyton Belichick stuff. Um, Damien Harris is hurt. He's got this finger thing. He wasn't playing last week. It concerns me that this receiving core just does not seem like they're able to get open. Um, Miami has a good defense. That's fine. The Jets have a young, fast defense, but I still feel like there should have been more big plays than there were. And it just feels like Mac and these guys, I just worry about, um, something about that line freaks me out. Why is that line four? Why is it three? What what am I missing? Well, the Patriots are averaging five yards of play this season. That's it, they need to have a short field to score. It seems like, and every time they've scored, it's been because of a turnover. And look, it's a great variance when you say if Jameis doesn't turn the ball over, we're in good shape. But if Jameis, of all people, doesn't turn the ball over, I, I don't know. I haven't had any indication through two weeks that Mac Jones is leading his team eighty yards on a touchdown drive at any point. And if they keep the game close, the Saints can win this game. I, I, I honestly, I look at this and it's all about just limiting Jameis. And then if you're the Patriots, how much are you willing to let Mac do? And I don't know if Bill's ready to let him go. And Josh McDaniel seems to be protecting Mac Jones. Uh, yes, they blew out the Jets, but you can't walk out of that game being like, Mac Jones is the man. It seems like every play design was to keep it safe and make sure he doesn't make a mistake. It's a stay away, so we're staying away. We can't stay bet the Pats away. every week anyway. Can we talk about uh, everyone saying that I've just been kissing your ass on the Pats stuff? Because Cousin Sal had a shot at me in the Mondays and said that I just say, yeah, Bill, you're right. Yeah, 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 go Patriots. Not fair. Not fair at all. I thought, first of all, it was a shot. I thought it was <laughs> uncalled for. And I think you've pushed back on the Patriots a lot. And frankly, I think he's a little jealous of our million-dollar pick success. It's pretty that's, good that's when you run a gambling website and your picks are, eh, and then we'd have this one little thing and we just kind of clean up. I can understand you being upset about it. Yeah. I, to me, he, he was just salty about the success and that's why I didn't take it personally. <laughs> Games we do like Eagles plus three and a half against the Cowboys and everything you just said about the Vikings, we could say about the Cowboys. I think the coaching situation is just as shaky to me. The Cowboys also have this weird situation now. I like the 10-minute podcast that Pro Football Focus does. They did a whole thing on Monday about, should they just play Tony Pollard? And I was listening to it, I'm like, 
Yeah, I, I, it actually seems like maybe that he should play more than Zeke Elliott when you watch these games, especially his ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, stuff like that. But um, I thought they were lucky to win last week. I'm not sold on them at all. I think the line should be Cowboys by three, so I'm getting a free half point with the Eagles. And as we discussed on Sunday with Sal, like that Eagles-Niners game, the Eagles gave it away in the first half. Like they really should have been up 13 nothing. 14-3, whatever it was, and they kind of blew it. And the Niners were like, cool, all right, we'll take it. Yeah. But the Eagles do some stuff I like. I I think they can really rush the passer. They have skills guys that are a little scary that seem like they can make big plays every once in a while. And I think Hurts in this kind of game, Hurts has seemed pretty limited last week, but against the yeah. Cowboys defense can do some Hurts stuff. So anyway... I think they could win the game. I don't know if they will, but I like getting the extra half point. I like the plus three and a half. I could tell you that Sirianni has given every player a shirt on Thursday. I don't know if it's been made public yet. And every one of the players in their locker waiting was a shirt that said, beat Dallas. He's got the t-shirts going. This wow. guy's amazing. Beat Dallas. And he's got another like thing up his sleeve for this Monday night game. Um, Here's the only thing. The Atlanta game, I'm looking at it now. Atlanta's defense is atrocious. They have no pass rush. And it looks like Philadelphia's offensive line was mauling guys. Last week against the Niners, it was the other way around where the Niners are like, all right, we have actual dogs on this defensive line. To your point, I don't know if Dallas has that. I thought Micah Parsons was incredible against the Chargers, playing mm. defensive end for the first time. He was amazing. But how sustainable is that over the course of a season, having your linebacker playing defensive end, which he might have to do again? Uh, I think Dak is a is a is a big game guy. I I would be I would be a little little nervous betting on this, but I understand if you're saying with those points you would want to do it. Another one: Colts plus five over the Titans. Out. The quarterback situation, know. we're scratching it off. It's in the Vegas zone, which Sal and I always talk about when it's four and a half, five or five and a half. That means even Vegas is like, hey, we don't know either. <laughs> the Colts QB situation makes this a stay away. But man, I just feel like I, I the only reason I'm bringing it up is don't put the Titans in a teaser parlay. I think this game's a complete stay away. Yeah, I agree. And the Colts, you could say, well, their quarterback situation... Eason can come out and be just fine and do exactly what Wentz was doing the first two weeks and they run the ball and it's Jonathan Taylor for 200 yards. I would stay away. I don't know about this game. So that's the case for the Colts because it's like, oh, they don't have Carson Wentz. So okay. what? <laughs> like, yeah. So they're not, they're not going to be able to get their C- minus from the QB position today or their D+. Plus. Had you ever heard that? He's, and I'm not laughing at it. It's just a, he has two sprained ankles, both ankles sprained. I'm like, gosh, Carson, like two weeks into the season. It, I don't know if he's just got the injury bug thing or what, but it's like this poor guy, not poor guy, this guy is just, uh, it's he can't get out of his own way. Steelers minus three over the Bengals is another one we're staying away from. Roethlisberger might be hurt. He might not. I mean, the Steelers always kill the Bengals. Their defenses should be good enough to win this game on their own. But if if like Dwayne Haskins is involved, I'm out. I'm This out. is a stay away to me out. I'm with you. And their defense is already all banged up and they've got guys up and down the injury list. I'd stay away too. So we'll take away the Eagles from the straight up picks. We have, oh, Niners minus three over the Packers was the other one I want to mention before we get. To okay. Let's talk about it. Cause I don't, I don't know where this one goes. There's like, I think it's a stay away, but I also could see the Niners winning 35 to 10 and then complete we, panic with the Rogers Packers thing. 
which the Niners have done to that very team multiple times. Two years ago, it was, I think, 38 to 10 in the regular season in the NFC Championship game. Raheem Mostert just scored another touchdown as we're sitting here. Um, I think he had 600 yards and 16 touchdowns. Like, And there's a mind thing here where I I don't know if this is real or if it's just perceived, but like LaFleur worked for Kyle Shanahan for years. And when they get in these games, it's like Kyle Shanahan just... Absolutely, like it just does dirty. They dominate them. And last year, the Niners played them when they were all injured on a Thursday night and still were competitive with the Packers. I, I don't know. The Niners are rocking with the 94 Niners uniforms this week. You remember those with like the shadow, the 75? Like, I love those. I think that place, home opener, I think it's going to be rocking. And that place doesn't get particularly loud typically. I would think the Niners take care of business in that one. I like them. I like the minus three piece because if they win, they probably win by three. So you at least get the push. Rogers scares me a little, but I, I wonder if that's legacy stuff. Like near the end with Favre, where you're like, oh, I'm worried about Favre, but it's like, should you be? He with Rogers with he, this team, I don't know. He could shut us up. He could have one of those nights, and it's you know, Alan, Chris, or Aaron Rogers doing the thing. But I don't know. First two weeks, I haven't been blown away by them. Four games or three games straight up that we have to talk about. We're going to take a break. All right. These are the ones we really need to talk about because these are the ones I actually want to put some wood on. Bears plus seven at Cleveland. Justin Fields' first game. An incredibly important game to everybody in Chicago who's been waiting. Basically, if you're like Jason Goff, who hosts our Chicago podcast, Mm -hmm. he's 40 years old. He has no recollection of ever having a competent quarterback other than the, like the one and a half years when Jay Cutler was good. See, this Fields thing, Dalton heroically steps aside with a knee injury, <laughs> paves the way for Fields. Their defenses look pretty good, I think better than yes. maybe we expected. Um, they can run the ball a little bit. They have Allen Robinson. I'm sure they'll design some stuff for Fields. Fields is a big game guy. You're going against Cleveland, who is out. They're two starting receivers now. Um and basically just has speed guys left. I think it's going to be hard for them to move the ball. Um, They're going to have to run it a lot. The Bears will be ready for it. And the line is Bears plus seven. It just seems a tad high. What do you think? I think we all overestimated or inflated how good the Browns' defense was going to be before the season started. They're not that good. Clowney hasn't been doing much. Their defensive backfield, which they beefed up with all these new safeties, have not been great. And if Tyrod Taylor doesn't get hurt last week, I don't know if the Texans don't beat them. They were winning and Tyrod went down and then Mills came in and played valiantly, but you're not going to necessarily win that one. Um, To the Bears stuff. All right, so Nagy and I have FaceTimed over the last few years or I've done a Zoom call with him, whatever it is, and he's down in his basement and it's a poker room. And the walls of the entire room and I'm, this sounds like it's like Carcosa, True Detective stuff, are old play sheets of his. So he hangs them up as decorations in his like man cave. So the entire man cave is covered in old play sheets. And I'm like, what the hell is that? And he's like, oh, I love it. This one, I remember every game. He's like, that was week three when I was with the Eagles and this is what we did. And this is when I was with Kansas City. And oh, this is when we did the, the special play, the Statue of Liberty play against the Giants. He has all those plays. He's been building a playbook for Justin Fields. He hasn't unveiled it yet. 
I would assume there is three or four crazy outside the box, not Andy Dalton plays that are going to come out in this game. And I think that might be the difference of having a little bit leg up than just your standard rookie quarterback going out there, babe in the woods type deal. I, I like the Bears in this game. I do a lot. I think they're going to be fine and competitive. And I know those players, they really like Justin Fields. They're not going to let him falter if they can do anything about it. And who is Baker's security blanket on third and seven? Where's it going? Jar- used to be Jarvis. Where's not it going? Anymore. Is it going to People's Jones? Like People's Jones? Screen or- pass? Like- who that? That, new, that running back they have, the third, the third string running back, yeah. that guy's excellent. So- Fenton, Demetric Fenton. Yeah. yeah. It's good. Got a nice spinning run last week. He was really good. Yeah. I like that guy. Um, all right. We're going to mark down the Bears. Chargers, Chiefs, we mentioned. Chargers plus six and a half. Sharp said something interesting on his podcast with Solak on the Ringer Gambling Show, which is an excellent show that everybody should listen to. I like this Solak, by the way. You reference him a lot. I follow him on Twitter. He's very good. Is He's he- good. Where'd he come from? I, and I was not aware of him until the last couple of years. I see like the analytics. He's not to just promote your guys, but like he's a good follow. What's his story? We got to Spotify 18 months ago, um, went down to Sweden and we basically put this stuff on a notebook of like create a football guy for us. So they used all this stuff, the DNA and they just, they've CGI'd him. He's not a real person. No, we, he was from Philly. He's, he's really good. <laughs> and uh, he's been an incredible addition, but yeah, he's, ESPN made that same trip and got Mina Kimes a couple of years earlier. You guys went and you got Solak. Good. That's what we heard about the Mina Kimes thing. We were like, we have to do this. So Sharp said on the pod, since week nine, 2020, the Chiefs are one and 11 against the spread. Mm. One and 11. All right. So what are the reasons for that? The public loves the Chiefs. Yeah. The public loves Patrick Mahomes. You feel good when you bet on the Chiefs. I really think this line should be Chiefs by four. Or Chiefs by four and a half. I think they they bumped it by two points because everyone bets on the Chiefs. This is, I, in my opinion, a must-win game for the Chargers. I love the plus six and a half. Um, I know you like the Chiefs a little more, but I just think you can run. You'll at least get in cheap touchdown zone, even if the Chiefs are up by 11 with two minutes left. I still feel like the Chargers get it. So we're marking that down. Here's the big dog, Bucks-Rams. Mm. I've switched my opinion on this. Okay, let me hear Initially, I was like, oh, the Rams, they're home. This is great. And then the line moved toward the Bucks. That's weird. Now I'm getting the Rams at home with points. But I thought about their defense those first two games. It just wasn't good. Just wasn't impressed. Mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be better. Now, obviously, they lost their, their defensive coordinator, their Chargers. Raheem Morris is in who everybody likes. But I just didn't feel like they were getting stops either week. So now you have the Bucs coming in. And from what I've seen from the Bucs, man, Brady fucking knows that team now. Mm-hmm. Like he knows it. They're not even running the ball that well, but it just seems like anytime he wants to get seven to 10 yards, he can get it. Their defense, people are like, ah, Bucks defense, what's going on there? Well, week one, Cowboys, that's a top five offense. Yeah. Week two, Atlanta, for whatever reason, the Falcons have always been able to move the ball on them. And I think that, to be honest, I know this sounds so simplistic. I think they got bored. They were up and it was like, all right. And then they woke up and then they were like, all right, let's put them away. It never felt like that was a game. It was a three-point game. It was almost like the Buccaneers were like, just like, all right, right, fine. Yes. And then it was like, okay, turn it back on, you know? So I feel like with the the reason I lean toward Bucks minus one and a half, I know this is tough for you. This is your co-host, Sean McKay, your flying coach co-host. You're always Mm going to, you know, you like the Rams. 
you're in on the Rams this year in general, and I am too. I have multiple season bets on them. I think at this point of the season right now, I think the Bucs are better. By December, we'll see. But I think right yeah. now, Brady has a come in, and I've seen it because I watched that guy for 20 years. I know when he has a team that he likes and when he just kind of knows, he just, he gets this team. I think he's going to come in. I think he wants to be 3-0 heading into that Pats game. I think he's going to have that whole team locked in. And I just think they're going to beat the Rams this week. Okay. couple things. <laughs> it's a couple things. Oh, and I didn't mention the Sony Michelle Henderson thing. I think having yeah. really, really below average running backs is a fucking problem when you have to beat an awesome team. Yeah. Um, first off, the Brady never playing in Los Angeles narrative is going to be a big one. He's never played a NFL game in Los Angeles. There was no teams in Los Angeles for a lot of that period. Do you count being the backup on a Rose Bowl team in 1998 as having played in Los Angeles? Did not play. Brian Greasy was Do the quarterback. Count. Does not count. So this is his first game in Los Angeles. All right. Um, they're traveling really late on Saturday night. And I say this because I know a lot of the guys on the Buccaneers staff and I had plans. I'll be in LA on Saturday. I was supposed to get together during the day. And they called me. They said, Bruce changed his schedule up middle of the week. Now we're coming in late. So we're doing all our meetings and then flying in and then getting in late on Saturday night. And then we're going to play, obviously, on Sunday afternoon. I don't know what that means or what it, but there obviously was some reason that Arians was like, all right, here's why we're changing that strategy, which I love that kind of stuff, the travel logistics and why and when, and I'll get the answer. But this Buccaneers team knows what happened last year when they played these guys. The Rams beat them in Tampa. They're pissed about it still. This guy, Jordan Fuller, picked off Brady twice, and it was the game, and it was Monday night game, and of course they would lose to the Chiefs, and then they wouldn't lose again. I, I think there's a lot of respect mutually for both these teams. The reason I would take the Rams on this, I think it's even, and the Rams are the home team, and it's a Sunday afternoon game in LA, and it's the second game in there, and I, if you're asking me, does home and away matter? Here's the classic example of, I will take the home team in this game just because I think both these teams are really good and I can't make a decision based on their offense will blow that defense out. Rams are home. Tampa's flying across the country. I know Brady doesn't get worried about these type of things. I like the Rams. See, now Sal on Sunday is going to be like, oh, Schrager, of course he wasn't going to go against the Rams. He might. Now it's another thing. I like the Bucs. I think they're better. And the Michelle Henderson combo I just can't does get past Fernet, it. Does the Fernet Rojo combo do much more? I don't think they're going to even need those guys, though. Part of the problem with the, the... Here's what would really worry me if I'm a Rams fan, which I'm not. Why don't they just double-team Cooper Cup? Just take him out. Now what do you do? Robert I take Woods. It, like what the Ravens did with Tyreek Hill last week. Yeah. Hey, Cooper Cup, you're not beating us. You're going to have three catches for 18 yards. That's going to be your stat line today. Now where do the Rams go? Robert Woods. Great. Or Deshaun Jackson. have 190 yards? Deshaun Probably Jackson? Not. Come on. <laughs> We're marking the Rams down. Um, underdog parlays. So Bears, we mentioned, plus 265. Sure. You know what's funny? We really struggled with the underdog parlay last week, and then none of them won. So it was like there was a reason no, we were we struggling. No, we took the Panthers. We had the Panthers. We had one piece of it. We couldn't oh. find the other team. I know. It, it turned out it was the Titans, but neither. I know. Both, we were both like, "You're not. We're not going to 
put anti Seahawks oh. in Seattle and underdog Not for that. So we got Bears plus two sixty five. We got Colts plus two hundred five against the Titans, which I'm crossing off. Eagles plus one sixty against the Cowboys, and Chargers plus two thirty five to beat the Chiefs, which I'm afraid to do. So it's looking like Bears Eagles, unless there's another like big dog that you like. Who's favored Atlanta versus Giants? Nah, that's not enough of a... It's a, it's a plus three. It's not enough of a juice. Not worth it. So it's looking like Bears, Eagles. All right. When we come back, the million dollar picks <laughs> for week three. All right, it's time. Million dollar picks for week three. We did something we haven't done in a while. We, during the break, we actually like strategized a little more <laughs> to try to really figure out how to land this plane. We... Wait, not having, not being up a million dollars yet through two weeks. Like we both took that personally. We got to get there. First bet. We're going to do a teaser. Ravens bills. This will be our signature tease. Ravens down to minus one and a half and the bills down to minus one. Both of them have to win. We're putting 400 K on that one. You're going to indulge me on the Raiders with the Vikings. The Vikings were teasing the plus eight and a half against Seattle. The Raiders were teasing the other way. We're going to make them plus one and a half against Miami. We're basically like, they just have to win. And we're going to put 200K on that. Can, can we make a, a plea to Mike Zimmer? Just less than 500 yards from the Seahawks. Let's just keep it somewhat reasonable on defense and we can win this thing. Yeah, just, and even if you're down late, give us the cheap touchdown. Just keep us... Keep us in the mix. Um, okay. Straight up bets. We're going to do 200K on the Bears plus seven in Cleveland. Justin Why Fields, not? we're with you, baby. Here we go. It's fun. We're going to do Bucks minus one and a half against the Rams, which you don't fully support, but you understand. And you're much like me with the Pats. You're a little tainted with the, with the you're, you're glass half full with the Rams. So I talked you into that one. And then do we do Niners minus three against the Packers or no? I don't know. Stay don't away? Know. Stay away. All right, stay away. I like it. Not enough to ruin million dollar picks. Stay away. All right, so we have those. And then our underdog parlay of the week is just a beauty. Really, really love this. Bears and Eagles, they both have to win. Plus 789. Going to put $33,000 on that. So there you go. And then anytime you can bet on Justin Fields and Jalen Hurts going on the road in a parlay, you have to do it. You have to do it. And that's it. Those are the million dollar picks for week three. You can find all of those lines on FanDuel Sportsbook. We've had good luck with FanDuel Sportsbook on the million dollar picks. So there we go. We made $147,000 last week for the season. We're up $612,000. Come on now. So we'll see if we can get into seven figures, Peter Schrager. Before we go, uh, tell us about the Sopranos prequel movie. I went last night, Beacon Theater, Saints of Newark is what it's called. I'm not going to give any spoilers away. I'm just going to say this. It is fucking incredible. I loved it. I loved it. And I am a Sopranos diehard. I am like with you and Alan Sepinwall and the whole gang. Like I go deep. I was dreading this movie the entire time leading up because of my love for the original franchise. Bill, it is so good. And it is David Chase in all his glory. I'm not going to give too much away. 
Alessandro Nivola. Not really familiar with him as an actor. He plays the uncle to young Tony, who is Christopher Maltesante's father. And I think he might win an Oscar for this movie. He is that good. I'm telling you, amazing, amazing movie. Wow, so he's your MVP. He's my MVP, although I have a fun story quickly. Big, so it's every character has like their version of them at a younger age. So the kid who plays, uh, you know, Silvio is fantastic. And the guy who plays uh, Junior uh, Carrado is actually Corey Stoll, who you know from House of Cards. And they're great. But Big Pussy is played by a young man. I wrote his name down here. Samson Moiakiola. Okay. And I'm like, oh, this guy's playing Big Pussy. He's got to be this big Jersey Italian guy. I talked to him. Uh, I went up, I was at the premiere. I went up right to him. I'm like, you're fantastic. And he's like, dude, I know you. I'm like, oh, okay, here I am, Mr. Big Shot. Of course you know me. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, I'm Nathan Peterman's best friend from high school. I'm like, Nathan Peterman's best friend from high school. What a small world. He's like, we went to school together in Texas. I was the best man in his wedding. He plays Big Pussy. It is incredible seeing these guys playing the older versions. Um, I loved it. I think it's on HBO Max starting in October. I'm not sure if it's in movie theaters, but I saw it in a theater full of Jersey and New Yorkers. And like, I've, the emotions of like seeing a movie in a theater with all these people and everyone watching The Sopranos, I, I can't hype it up enough. And I was very nervous going in that they were going to tarnish the tradition. And I would say this, you don't have to know The Sopranos inside and out to love it. It's a standalone movie, which makes it cool. And the, the, the sleeper MVP, Ray Liotta is incredible in it. Wow. Incredible. We, did, um, we relaunched our TV pod feed as a prestige TV pod. Me, Van, and Waz did uh, a Sopranos Hall of Fame episode that's going up on Friday. Um, we did the the Tony Bobby fight. Yeah. That episode, which is kind Come of, there's, there's some sneaky, great Sopranos episodes that never get mentioned enough because people always go like, oh, Pine Barrens. Pine they Barons. talk about the last one. And there's like five other ones that are like just unbelievable and should be mentioned more. And the Tony Bobby fight is an incredible trains. episode. Um, there's so many little nods. Bill, you will love this. There's so many little, it's like almost Easter eggs, little nods that don't take away from the movie that are like, and the way these actors embody the other ones, like the little ticks that that Corey Stoll has that plays it as Junior. And um, v, I'm going to, Vera Familia, is that her name? Yeah, you know, Vera Familia. Yeah. I, I'm not good with names. Football players I can do, actresses I can't. She does the Nancy Marchand stuff. She plays Tony's mother at a younger age. And like every, it is so fun. It's two and a half hours. I loved it. I would watch it for seven hours. I just high praise from a fellow Sopranos fan. Can't I, wait. I can't wait for you to see it. Yeah. Can't great. wait. Greatest TV show of all time. Other than maybe The Wire. They're in the finals. Um, Fair. Peter Schrager, we can see you on Fox this weekend. We can see you on Good Morning Football. We'll see you on Million Dollar Picks next week. Go Million Dollar Picks. Let's keep it going, baby. That's it. Let's go. You're the man, Bill. Thank you. All right, my dad is here taping this on a Thursday. He's been on the pod in a while. Every time I call you, your Wi-Fi is terrible at your house, but you're actually here. It's my birthday this weekend, you, and you came to visit me to watch Ryder Cup, we to did. watch the Patriots, to watch the Red Sox. We took a 625 flight this morning from Boston, landed in L.A. at 9.02. <laughs> Fantastic. In the morning. You can hear him on the spot on the uh, Ringer Podcast Network. He's the host of the Blue Plate Special. Does right. it three times a week. I'm still waiting for that to happen. <laughs> yeah, we, I'm available. We, we got to talk to Swedes and they're giving you that. Um, we haven't talked about this Tom Brady thing 
who looks better this year than he looked really the last couple of years with us and just seems like he's... You mean because he has nine touchdown passes in two games? <laughs> where where have you landed? Because I actually root for Brady. I think it's... I try to bet on the Bucks when there's opportunity and um, just in general, I want him to do well. I, I don't really have any spitefulness at all. Are you spiteful at all or no? There's a part of me that's spiteful. On the other hand... I hope every week that he does really well. So I'm conflicted. And it didn't help yesterday when I read all the comments from his dad about how uh, it was time for him to move on because Belichick was treating him like a 20-year-old. And I thought Carrero said that. Well, his dad said Carrero that too? said that too. His, his dad was saying that Belichick never appreciated everything that Tom did, that mm. uh, it was time to move on and... I don't know. Well, then we have the Seth Wickersham book that's coming out next week too, which I did a blurb for it because I got to read an early copy and it's uh, excellent. Uh, is, and yeah, it's look, it was a more complicated relationship, I think, than all of us realized. And they hit a lot. And I do think it does seem like a big part of this was Belichick just saying, no, you're just one of the 53 guys. Which, which as, as a longtime fan, I don't understand. I mean, he led us to six Super Bowls. Um, six? We made like nine. Uh, no, I mean w wins. Yeah, titles. Um, I mean, you could argue we could have won on nine. You could argue we could have won only four, but that's that's a moot point. Uh, I, I don't understand Belichick's la lack of appreciation of Brady, but that's from the outside looking in. I don't know the conversations like you don't. Does this book have any insight to? Yeah, I think it has a lot. I do think, I think Belichick was probably, you know, we felt this way even watching it. Belichick's playing the odds, right? Brady's going to be in his early 40s. I need a new QB. He's slipping in these little tiny ways. I have Jimmy here. I know Jimmy at some point and right. Brady wanted to play till he's 45 and it seemed crazy. And now he's 44 and he's as good as he's looked in four years. And I, it does... I said this to Schrager when he was on before, like one of the reasons I like the Bucks in this game, it does feel like it's Brady's team. Like when you watch them, he's handpicked a lot of these guys. Right. He convinced Gronk to come back. He right. convinced him to take a chance on Brown. It's his offense. He knows it. Like it's, it's all him. And I just don't think the Patriots were ever going to do that with him. Well, I agree with all of that. It, it looks like that coach Arian is allowing Arians is allowing Brady to run the exact offense that Brady wants to run. With the guys that he wants to with, throw to. With the guys that he's comfortable with. You know, to be realistic, though, looking at that Tampa Bay team, he has wide receivers and tight ends he never had in New England. <laughs> Except for 07. One year. Yeah, one year. Um, a year and a half, two years, maybe. You know, it was always the thing hard to figure out why Belichick didn't give him more weapons. And he goes to Tampa Bay. Look at the weapons he has. Uh, you know, if he w if he had those weapons in New England, I think we would have won three more Super Bowls. Well, I think the thing that the now that we have some distance, and we certainly can't complain with the success. Not complaining, but the thing that I think they'd missed on was what we see in the NBA. Like with somebody like LeBron, where LeBron becomes his draw for other great players, and you have Anthony Davis trying to get out of New Orleans to play with them, and you have right. these other guys taking these. Basically, 
veteran exceptions and two, making two million a year instead of seven to because they well, want to play with LeBron. It just happened, and all twenty one other starters came back to Tampa Bay. That's the thing. So like they thought they were going to lose. I think it was Godwin. Yeah. Um, Gronk, who was good with playing for the Patriots, but was able to come back to play with Brady and the continuity piece. I think that's kind of what. Belichick maybe didn't navigate the greatest well, of like, not, I have this incredible resource who's actually taking a pay cut right. versus making 40 million a year. And yet they didn't really funnel that toward what Tampa has been able to do. Well, a consistent topic you and I have talked about over the years is has to do with the team that wins and what happens the following year. Yeah. It, it's, I want mine. Yeah. And disease of me. Yeah. And Tampa Bay. And I, I credit Brady. Um, they so much want to play with him and he has surrounded himself with people he wants to play with. Yeah. And they all came back. That's unheard of in this day and age of free agency. Yeah. And I'm not even really critical of Belichick either, because I do think he was playing the odds. He's like, you know, I remember doing TV with Doug Collins and he was talking about those MJ years with the Wizards and when MJ wasn't quite MJ anymore, but he was still ordering everybody around like he was a, the best player in the league. And that's where it gets dangerous with these aging. It happened with Kobe and the Lakers. Like we've, we see it happen with basically every great athlete. And Belichick probably just didn't want to be there when that happened. Right. But on the flip side, I think he really, really underestimated Brady's will to keep going. And also the, all the advantages we have now and the fact that that's, you don't really get hit playing quarterback anymore. Well, I mean, it's almost like arena quarterback playing now, but yeah, there, there is a piece and I wonder if this book touch, touches on it because I haven't seen it yet. It's not out yet. It has to do with uh, the owner of the team, um, yeah. Bob Kraft. And, you know, you, you mentioned Jimmy Garoppolo at least from the outside looking in, it looks like the move to trade Garoppolo had came down from Kraft. And uh, basically him picking Brady over Belichick. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So three years later, less than three years later, um, Kraft changes his decision and says it's time to move on from Brady. I don't know. Is that what happened? But it, it's inconsistent. It made no sense to me as a fan that Kraft would have no role in pushing for Brady to stay here. And well, he's also Kraft's at an older stage of his career as an owner, you know, and we, maybe he didn't navigate that. I mean, he makes you yeah. look like a young chicken. Well, is it touched on in the book at all that you... Yeah, there's some craft stuff. I don't want to step on the book too much because okay. I think I was privileged reading it. Seth's also going to come on this podcast next week and we'll okay. talk about some of this stuff. But yeah, I mean... It was this triangle that I remember when Seth and was writing about in 2018 and I just didn't believe a lot of it. I, I thought things were getting leaked, but it turns out like all his information was dead on and uh, that, you know, I was wrong to doubt it. Right. Um, it, I think it just got really complicated. I think it's an amazing thing to stay together for 20 years when you think like, look at where Rogers is in Green Bay now, but then he's had all these different coaches and they don't really have an owner there. You think about the NBA, LeBron spends six, seven years in Cleveland, four in Miami, four in Cleveland. Now he's in the Lakers. He's constantly moving. Well, is, there, is there a comparable situation that you could cite? Because as you said, they were together 20 years. All these yeah, other- Yeah, 18. Was it 18? Yeah, I guess like 19 years. 19 years. Yeah. You know, all these other superstars and all these other sports, 
they've gone through multiple court coaches right. in this day and age. So there, there's really no comparable situation. Um, and maybe Brady didn't power play it enough. I think he was so loyal to the team and to the crafts and to just trying to win. And he, you know, it's a little on him too. He knows having Belichick was one of the best advantages you can have. So he kind of swallowed some stuff because he knew it gave him the best chance to win. And they had, they had the second run from 2014 through that Rams Super Bowl. And they were really, you know, they could have won the Super Bowl every year. They ended up winning three. They easily could have won four. It does bring me, though, to some of the comments from Brady's father yesterday, where uh, Brady Brady's father talked about the Patriots not offering Tom a long-term five-year contract that would have kept him in New England. I had not heard that before. Now, yeah, he wanted that around 17, 18 range. Yeah. yeah. So, because he told them, I want to play until I'm 45. Right. And, and, and Belichick's like, cool. No, Belichick <laughs> said, cool. But no, he's like, cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, I don't yeah. know what you're thinking. You're in yeah. a five year deal. So, I guess, get back to your point. I, I try to watch every Tampa Bay game. Yeah. I am still a little bit conflicted because I, I don't, I don't know the whole story. Like, most fans don't know the whole story. I wish Brady was still here. It's great that we have Mac Jones and we're rooting for him to be our new guy. Our new guy. He's not going to be our new Brady, but our new guy. But I would have loved to have seen him sitting this year um, learning under Brady. Yeah. Um, but hey, I just want to know why you didn't give interviews after I left ESPN, critical of ESPN. Like I tried. Tom Brady's dad was just stepped up to I the plate more Bri than you did. I called Bristol and they just didn't want to hear from me. Yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> See, Brady left. He went to Tampa, kept winning titles. I left ESPN. I started winning titles elsewhere. It's what the greats do. No, um, I kept but, waiting. But his dad defended him, I guess. I kept waiting for John Skipper to give me a call. <laughs> Uh, they're playing the Rams this week. That's one of the many games we're watching. We're also watching the um, the Pats. I'm playing is, the Saints. This is a super sports weekend. And your favorite event, the Ryder Cup. You Fa love it. I wish it was in August. I wish it wasn't against football. Yeah, it it never. Well, I guess it it's always, always is. second week of September. Yeah, it's yeah. always against football. But wait, we're talking about Ryder Cup in a second. Okay. I want to talk about this weird Red Sox season. They've won 88 games. They're 88 and 65. Had, well, well and, can I just say that? I'm one of the few people in our family that never gave up gave up on the Red Sox. Well, yeah, I bet on the over. What are you talking about? <laughs> I bet on the over 81 wins. What, what last week? No, before the season. I don't recall. I didn't that. give up. I still don't think it's a World Series team. Oh, it's not. It's a team. You know, we have no closer. We've well, who, our be, our best guy right now is Iglesias, who's not going to be on the postseason roster because they know, signed him three days late. I don't know if you watched the game. I did last night. They they. They're leading, I think, eleven to four, eleven to three, or something. And they yeah, and brought, Barnes came they in. Brought Barnes in in the sixth inning. Our lights out closer from he the first four months of the year. Third of an inning. He was our all star. I, boy, talk about losing confidence quickly. But that's that's a scary proposition for us because um, nobody jumps out for us as a ninth inning person against. What could be a one as a ninth inning person? What about an eighth inning or a seventh inning person? Yeah, that's a little scary. You know, the other thing is, I I've watched. I know you have watched a lot of Red Sox this year, and I have too, because I I like this team. I do too. And I've I, watched an yeah. incredible amount of Red yeah. Sox, and, and I'm like, embarrassed by it. Didn't like the team last year. I like this team. Yeah, looks like they have good camaraderie. 
chemistry. They all root for each other. Yep. Um, I liked a couple of the new guys they brought in. It's one of those teams where the un- the new weird uniforms work and they just wear them the yeah. next day and they have yeah. like little rituals for the home runs. And it's I been a great season. Yeah, I don't understand. You know, they get a double and they're all making uh, gestures yeah. at each other. Yeah, I don't know yeah. what that means. But on the other hand, after watching this entire season, we're going to end up hopefully, possibly in a one game playoff. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I, I wish there was a three-game playoff. When you think about it, Tampa's better than us, and when, when we play Tampa, even though if talent-wise it seems even, but they're just a machine. They're like the Belichick Patriots, where they're just—they well, make all the little things happen. I don't totally agree. They're they're in a slump right now. I mean, we're six games behind. Um, we we have made. You're gonna tell me Tampa's better than us? We have no closer, and every player on defense is below average, except see, for Iglesias, who's not going to be on the team. This is what's happened to you, though, out in Los Angeles. No, I just we 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 are bad defensively, and we have no bullpen. I'm going to root for us. I hope we yeah. do well, but it's not a recipe for postseason success. Do you think? Well, everything would have to come together. <laughs> <laughs> this is a team where. If there's two outs and the bases are loaded and we get a fly ball into the outfield, I'm holding my breath until the guy catches it. We used to have this outfield where we would have like Mookie chasing down, you know, fly balls that were like, seemed like they're going to be a triple and Jackie Bradley in center. And every position on this team makes me nervous defensively now. Well, I, I actually, Even Devers and Bogarts. I actually think they've, they've made uh, some adjustments. For example, uh, Iglesias was a great pickup. Again, not on our postseason roster. Well, not I, not I, eligible. I, I realize that, but to get to the, we're not we're not yet a postseason yeah. team. So we, right we now not. we can play him at second. We can, which means Hernandez can play center, which means we can put the other position players in right and left. And um, Devis has played a little better defensively. Dahlbeck has been not Dahlbeck. Um, our first baseman has been better defensively. Dahlbeck. So, yeah, Dahlbeck. Um, well, Dahlbeck, that's been the most fun part of this season for me is, as you, as you know, I told you he's on my AL keeper team. Hench and I paid $18 for him. So every time he failed the first four months of the season, it was like getting kicked in both nuts, not just like one don't nut. Don't you think he was pretty close to being sent down? Yeah. yeah. I thought he was going to be sent down for about two weeks there in July because yeah. it just seemed like... And we would text about it like, oh, it's tough to watch. No chance. Like, yeah. strike one swinging, right. call it th- second strike, third strike over his head, he swings anyway, or whatever. Right. And then all of a sudden, and Eck was on it early, Eckersley, the one of our uh, color guys in the thing, where he was just like, start, he, he's starting to get it. I'm getting optimistic. So that made yeah. me feel good because I really love Eckersley. I think he does a great job. Um, but then now he's, basically turned into this monster. He's a monster. I think he's going to get hit every time. Batting seventh in the lineup. Too. Right. I mean, it, it, it stretches our lineup. Well, last night was a good example. We we scored 12 runs against the Mets. Yeah. Uh, night before, we, we scored a lot of runs against the Mets. We, we, can, we can score runs. Our record against the top-level teams, though, isn't that good. And that's what would worry me. I mean, we we have well, beat up on a lot of the under 500 teams. The reliever thing is, I mean, yeah. you could argue Whitlock could have been the MVP of the first five months by how many games right. he kept us in or saved or whatever. And then he finally broke down. And it's I know he's supposedly coming back. Well, but. hopefully uh, the, 
if he doesn't come back and Barnes, I don't know in this short period of time that Barnes can regain his confidence. Barnes is like, it's Uh, so funny when this happened, or it's not funny, but like, remember Keith Folk in 05, where all of a sudden it was over? And and you felt bad because he he carried one of the craziest postseason loads of all time in 04. Well, you could say the same thing about Kimball. Um, yep. And then you see Kimball being traded from the Cubs to the White Sox, and he's blown three or four games already for them. He's been terrible. Yeah. So we're playing the Yankees this weekend, which is the reason we're mentioning this. It's, I wanted to get three games ahead of them heading into that series. Somehow it's yeah. two. And the first game is Cole and Evaldi. And Evaldi is probably the other than sale, the star do you trust the most, but has the tendency of like around the sixth inning starts getting a little gamey. Right. He can give you the good six innings, but we're need to, now their bullpen hasn't been that that's fallen apart too. They don't trust Chapman. Well, They've had some injuries. Right. Chad green has probably been their best reliever, but anytime he's a closer, it's bad for them. So I think it's going to be one of these roller coaster ride weekends where Leads are changing hands in seventh, eighth, ninth inning. It's in Boston, which is good for us, I guess. We've also hit Cole, and I know you're aware. Well, now he doesn't cheat anymore. Cole's last start <laughs> four days ago was horrible. Yeah, uh, he got knocked out in the, within the first four innings. But it, there is a lot of on the uh, talk radio in Boston, which you probably are not not able to receive here. A lot of talk about why did they start sale last night. Why didn't they say against the Mets for game one against the Yankees? It's because they're missing like those random dudes you can just bring up for the start who are actually confident. They've tried it a couple of right. times and the guys have gotten well, shelled. Well, that was the argument. You know, you lose the second game against the Mets, then you've lost the game on the Yankees. What's, yeah. What's the difference? Right. Um, and, and I, so I, I think that is a good argument. Um, unfortunately, like you said, our triple A pitchers, uh, except for how there's nobody really you can bring up. Well, we knew they didn't totally believe in this team when they didn't really do that much at the trade deadline. So it was clear they felt like the team had a little bit overachieved. But just as an experience of rooting for them day in, day out, I've really enjoyed the season. Um, I like Devers. Verdugo. Right. Although I still think about Mookie Betts, every three Verdugo at bats, well, but I, still I enjoy watching him. I, you know, people make the mistake of saying he replaced Mookie Betts. No, it's not his fault. It, it's not. I mean, he yeah. got traded here with two other people, one of whom is... A Downs respect. is heating up. I know you... Not just Downs, but... Uh, the Yeah, Downs is heating up a little Downs, bit. Downs came around. Um, they got a catcher that's pretty young, Wong. Um, well, I know, I know you follow the farm system stuff. They have some studs. They do. This guy, they took a first round pick on that guy, Nick York, and everybody got mad and they're like, what the fuck? Nobody else had him as a first rounder. And he's like the best minor leaguer they had this year. And then Cassis, Cassis, uh, the first baseman, he's going to be a stud. So they're going to have some options. Cassis played his first game in in Worcester last night, hit a home run um, in his uh, second at bat. Uh, So, yeah, and the, I've I've enjoyed Kike. Right. Renfro, even though he's kind of a train wreck in red field, he's got an absolute cannon. Yeah. And he unleashes that thing like twice a week. And that's been really fun. And then the dollback thing's been fun. Whitlock's been good. Um you, you it's know, a fun team. It's they've definitely overachieved. Like eighty eight wins right now. It feels like they should probably have like eighty three. Well, they were picked to win eighty one, eighty two. Yeah. I, the only mistake I think they made, and I, I still don't understand it, is Ben Um you know, he was your son's favorite player. 
Um, that didn't last long. Well, you know, he's hitting 275, 280 for Kansas City. He's got almost 20 homers. Like so why they gave him away, basically. They gave him away. They yeah. got nothing in return that's going to benefit us. Yeah, that was right. I, I, it never made sense. He wasn't making a ton of money. All um, right, I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios here. One is we missed the playoffs entirely. The second scenario is we have a one game playoff to get into the wild card, but it's against the Yankees. Yeah. Obviously we would pick that, but from a health standpoint, is it better for you if we just miss the playoffs over the one game playoff? Cause if we lose a one game, anything to the Yankees, it's going to ruin my entire rest of the year. Yeah. I, I said this on uh John Jastrzemski's podcast the other day. I actually hate the Yankees more than I like the Red Sox at this <laughs> point in my life. We've won four titles. It's like we're playing with house money with the Red Sox. I just hate the Yankees. We have like this advantage over them now. I think, and that, I don't want the risk of the one game playoff I, against I them. I think Bucky Dent ruined your childhood. He really did. It's <laughs> one of the two times I cried from sports. Yeah. Uh, you weren't the only one, but I, I want us in the playoffs. Are you kidding? No, I know. After watching this much baseball. But the ideal thing would be us making that one and then Blue Jays, Yankees in the other one. Let them beat the hell out of each other. no. There's only one wild card. No, but I'm saying like a like a one-game playoff with them for the right to play us in the one-game playoff because they have those, don't they? No. thought they did. They no. don't have... Tampa's going to win the division. Right. And then there's one wild card game. I know, but if there's like this three-game... Three I mean, we all finish the same... No, there's record. a wild card game, but there's two wild cards, but there's three spot. There's three teams going for two. Yeah. And if there's a tie for the second oh, spot... If there's, if there's a tie. Yeah. Oh, so the d ideal scenario would be... Uh, tie is possible. Because the thing is, I think the Blue Jays are really good, but I would rather lose to them than lose a one-game playoff to the Yankees. Would is, That's my worst case Blue scenario. Blue Jays are... Uh, certainly, they have a great hitting lineup. They're unpredictable. Yeah, um, every time it seems like they're about to take off, yeah. they'll blow a game to like the like Orioles. Like last night, they, yeah. they blew a game. Um, Ryder Cup. So you, you, you watch a lot of golf. You watch a lot of TV because you're retired. You're available. Well, um, I, I, I do enjoy sports and you love golf. Like when the Cantlay Bryson DeChambeau thing happened, I didn't need to text you to tell you to turn that on. Cause you were already watching. I, I probably was channel surfing with different sports. Yeah. USA is but minus two twenty five to win liked, the trophy. I also like the revolution soccer team. Yeah, that so that was this weird revelation where you claimed you've been watching the revolution for like six years. I have, I, and then in UConn women's basketball, that was the other I, one. I you love, have all these things I didn't know about. I love UConn women's basketball. I'm following the recruiting trail right now, who they're trying to bring in. Who'd they get? Anybody good? <laughs> Still working on it. <laughs> and the revolution, how are they looking heading uh, into whatever they, the playoffs they won, are? They won three to two last night against Chicago in Chicago, which is tough to do. Who's your favorite revolution player? <laughs> um, I like Turner, the goalie. I think he's uh, really spot on. Great. <laughs> Ryder Cup, you think the U.S. is going to win? They have some point scoring stuff on FanDuel that I thought was fun. Um, we both like Xander in this tournament. I, You know, we do. We both like Xander. and So I, he was 12 to 1 to have the most points this weekend. And he's plus 470 for top rookie. I, th I, I like both of those. I, I like both of those. As you know, I also like Justin Thomas because he he just seems to be a bulldog in the Ryder Cup. Yeah. And those are my two players 
you know, it's hard not to like Cantley right now because he's on a roll. Yeah, House doesn't like Cantley, but, but I'm rookie. in on him. He's a rookie in the Ryder Cup. I like the putting piece with him. I like the putting Because this Ryder Cup always comes down to those tense 15-footers. Well, you and I were talking at that Sunday, which of course is going to be up against the Patriot game, unfortunately, but who they match in the one-to-one, I'd love to see Cantley matched with Rom after the battle that they recently had. And Rom was 7-1 for most points, plus 380 to be the foreign player with the most points. Rom. That makes sense. Rom's terrifying. What's one of the reasons I think we're going to win this year is they don't have that old guy. They're the crafty old guy that Polter, I guess, is technically it. He's like 25 to one for most points, 12 to one for most foreign, yeah, the, best foreign guy. But their so called crafty old guys are Polter and Westwood, who I think are probably four years beyond being right. crafty old guys. Yeah. Yeah. It's not who is the guy who used to kill us like 20 years ago? Ian, not Woosdom, uh, O'Connell Montgomery. Was that it? It was uh, like, oh, there was always those type of guys. Yeah, those type of guys. Great leadership. I mean, Poulter's not had a good season. Yeah. But he always does seem to show up for the Ryder Cup. All right. So on Sunday, we have we have Ryder Cup. We have Red Sox Yankees. Which I think is a one o'clock. Well, no. The 10 it, o'clock here. Is we it, have is Pat it, Saints. Is a Red Sox Yankees a night game? I think it's a night Sunday. game. Okay. We have... Pat's Saints. One o'clock. Bucks Rams. Oh, 10 o'clock here. Yeah. Bucks Rams. It's a smorgasbord. What time is the Bucks Rams? Four TVs. I might need like three more TVs. Bucks Ram, I, I think that one's later. That's in okay. afternoon. It's great. I mean, talk about a great. The, the other thing, if you're out in LA, which as you mentioned, I am right now, the time difference is hard to get used to. It means that the one o'clock game is actually at 10 o'clock here. The Ryder Cup tomorrow, which starts at nine o'clock, is actually starting at six o'clock here. Yeah, but you wake up at like four o'clock because oh, you're I'm, always like screwed up. Yeah, I'm, I'll be up. Wow. And, uh, but and then all the way through, and then even Sunday night is Packers, 49ers, and Red Sox, Yankees, same time. So oh. it's going to be like fourteen hours of us not moving and just a lot of resentment from everywhere. <laughs> but it's my birthday weekend; I can do what I want. You know, and 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 I'm trying to support you on your birthday weekend. Thank you. Be me, you, and Murph. <laughs> the three of us, three guys. Yeah, unfortunately, our wives won't be talking to us. But yeah, it'll be fine. All right, Dad, good to see you. Good thanks for the you. Boston sports update. All right, thanks for um, having this, me out here. Thanks to uh, Schrager, and this podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton. We will see you on Sunday night with the Cuz. Until then.